0: On this week's episode, we talk about Ubisoft trying to sneak ads into their games, Starfield developers' responses to negative Steam reviews, the Dragon's Dogma release date, price, and PC requirements revealed, Jeff Keighley's response to the Dave the Diver nomination controversy, and more. All of this tonight, but first, on to that beautiful bean intro. (laughs) Intro Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, episode 8. I am your host, the man whose minimum system requirements are breakfast burritos and freshly ground black coffee, Nathan, also known as The Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me as always, the man whose minimum system requirements are the Linux operating system and somewhere <laughs> quiet to finish his books. Justin, better known as I Am Zerakon, how you doing today?
1: I am doing quite well. It's it, it, I had a I had a good Thanksgiving. It was definitely good to spend some time with family, uh, so that was great. Um, got to enjoy the weekend. One thing though is that I, I'm not too fond about is the temperature suddenly dropped drastically these past few days. And while I don't normally why while, while I don't mind that it gets cold. The fact that there was wind and oh, the wind yeah. chill just made things worse. That was that, that that's not very pleasant there. So um, hopefully the wind cal- calms down some. That would be nice. Uh, so that way, while it's cold and I've, that's blinding out my walking in the cold. Just that that wind chill really does me it <laughs> though. But um, yeah. Other than that though, it's been a pretty good weekend. H- how
0: have you been doing? Uh, not too bad I, and I, I just want to comment real quickly um, regarding the wind chill versus actual like colder temperature at least on the the uh, the thermometer and everything um, so having lived in Alaska for a long time mostly in the colder part of Alaska even though we'd get down to minus 40 minus 50 rare occasions oh, minus gosh. 60. Because of the fact that number one, it was a dry cold, and number two, it was the air was just completely still at that point. I maintain that having a wind chill at thirty above or even or you know lower is worse than forty below. Oof. Oof.
1: Because <laughs>
0: and, and I I maintain that um, even even if you're in a drier climate, it's still worse um, than than that forty below. Because the forty below, you know, at least where I lived, it was almost always just like everything was completely still, and it was very, very cold. But it didn't cut through. You know, you could wear layers, you could keep yourself warm-ish. I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do depending on the how you know what kind of layers you put on and everything. But I I always found that when, when like when I moved to Seward. Uh, which is like right on the coast. It's like both next to mountains and on the coast. Um, it, I mean, has, has a bay nearby. The when it got windy there during the winter, it was worse than than the forty below in hour, in my opinion. It's just it, it, because it just cuts through everything. It's like you 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 just it's really hard to stay warm when you, when you're dealing with that, and it's <laughs> it was awful. Like the first time we visited Seward was actually. The day the switch came out because I, I I bought the switch I got the switch at the midnight launch and then I went to Seward, we went to Seward uh, the next morning for um, a second job interview I had before I actually got the job and um, that day it was brutally windy and cold we were like are we trading the forty below for this and, and it was super <laughs> icy on top of that so it was like really hard to drive around. In our front-wheel drive van that just never did well on the ice, and it was brutally cold. And, and thankfully, that wasn't the normal thing, but it definitely happened occasionally. It, it's definitely worse. And around here, I mean, it's pretty similar in terms of how cold can get the Seward. Um, I mean, no, don't have the mountains or the, the uh, ocean breeze, but it does get. It, it can get pretty cold with the wind chill. Anyway. That all that being said, uh, my weekend was good. Uh, Thanksgiving went pretty well. Uh, I would say my the turkey I smoked was not the best one I've done. It was still really good, just not not the best. Um, so there was uh, that was slightly disappointing to me, but I mean it was still good. The only problem was that there wasn't a whole lot left over, so. It didn't, didn't last as long as it usually does, but last year I had made up two turkeys because we had pretty much the whole family and didn't actually need two turkeys, and I just didn't know because I, I think it was, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, it was the first time that I had hosted everyone, and, you know, it was like 21, 22 people, something like that, and um, this year, you know, it was about 20 people but because last year we only went through one turkey i only made one so anyway um but yeah it was it was pretty good at least i i mean you know there was still some busyness but i was able to get some gaming in and and things like that so uh what games have you been playing over the past week especially with that that oled <laughs> in fact you know you can even talk some more about about your impressions of the oled now that we've had it the
1: yeah, um, I the OLED definitely has. I've spent some more time with it, and I did a little bit of experimenting, some stuff that I didn't think about uh, when I first started playing with it, and stuff later on. And the first thing I sort of uh, started to test was the 90 hertz display, mm-hmm. um, just to see like what games I could get to run at 90 hertz. And predictably, the games that I play, which I'll tell later, like Half Life, that obviously went to 90 frames per right. second. Um, I tested Katamari Damacy Reroll, that went to 90 frames per second, um, and Damon X Machina, that actually went to 90 frames per second. There were a couple drops to the low 80s, mm-hmm. but uh, for the most part, it actually stayed up at 90. Um, one weird thing though, which I, did, which I actually noticed when I started to record footage is that for some reason, which might actually be the reason because of um, my laptop when I was recording, it was the frame rate, or at least the Hertz, uh, was capped at sixty instead of ninety, mm-hmm. and I couldn't adjust it any further than that. So that was weird. I'm not certain what the reason for that was, um, but it, so, it it does.
0: I was just gonna say when you when you're recording, it is probably dependent on uh, number one your monitor, and number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you have the system settings at. So if your monitor doesn't go above 60, which I don't know if it does or not, does it? I mean, what's what's your no, refresh it, rate? It, it's it's stuck at 60. That, that would be why, is, is okay. because of that. Um, But for the... Um, if you have a higher refresh rate on your monitor, then you can do more than that. But even okay. then, it's not... I mean, it's like you might be able to technically get the higher frame rate, but it's not going to record the higher frame rate.
1: Yeah, and I didn't necessarily want to, or care about recording the higher frame rate. I just wanted to show like the games could do that, just mm-hmm. to show with the yeah. uh, frame rate counter, um, just for that example. But um, yeah, but I also liked enjoying. I a lot of the games that I chose, especially with, Daymare um, X Machina, I chose just because I really wanted to see how stylized games looked with the more vibrant colors that the uh-huh. OLED screen provides. Yeah. Um, and but still overall i think that the experience is pretty good um one thing that i didn't mention last week which isn't a big thing but something i noticed now which i don't know if this is sort of a defect of my product but i noticed that the uh later on that the steam and the option buttons on the oled were i guess faded because they were a whole lot darker than what were on the lcd version that i had and i Pretty sure that when I saw your, um, your your OLED model, it was the, the it was still as bright as the other one. So I think that my uh, one just had like slight defect with the paints or something like that.
0: Uh, no, I think overall, no, actually, they, they're all they're all uh, a dark color. They're not the they're not the white okay. anymore. They're they're like a gray color.
1: Okay, okay. So it's not a defect, just normal. Okay, yeah. But uh yeah, but I guess going into the games themselves though. So I particularly got into Half-Life 1 because of the fact that Valve made an update for it that supported full controller support, and I thought that's interesting. Also, it's been a, it's been a long time since I'd played Half-Life and I didn't get too far into the game. Mm-hmm. Um And I'll admit that it that the controller support works pretty well. I did actually turn off um auto. It, well, not I, I forget what it's called. It's not like auto aim, but it locks onto enemies. I turned that off because I, aim I, I really did not want that.
0: Hmm?
1: Oh yeah, aim assist. Uh, but I turned that off. Okay. Um, when I first played it, when I first tried playing it, though, for some reason the left stick wasn't working at all for movements, mm-hmm. and I tried it a couple times to get it to work, but it wasn't working at all. So I was disappointed. I stopped, but I came back a couple days later, and it worked again. Not sure what the problem was there, but so far, ever since then, it's been playing pretty well. Um, a little bit more of Katamari Damacy just because I was, I'm was. i still trying to get those last two achievements. I did get one of them. I got all of the presents that in our, you need to collect in the game, but I still need to collect every single other item in the game uh, to get 100%. So, working on that, that's a work in progress. Um, Sekiro. I went back to that game. That is making some more progress. <laughs> um, in fact, I went through several different areas. The first area was a dungeon area, um, and that part at first when I get went there, I did not like it all just because there are enemy types that you have to kill twice. Oh, uh, you kill them one time, and then you think they're they're you're they're done for, but then after several minutes or not several minutes, but after about five to ten seconds they'll get back up again and that just really made me nervous <laughs> because of the fact that when enemies grab you when those enemies grab you they do a ton of damage and so you really have to just sneak behind them constantly try to cut well down their health until you can perform an execution and after i got through that area that was pretty much smooth sailing went through another area where there were a bunch of monks they weren't too bad um i pretty much just stealth stealth my way through that area. But, uh... Yeah, I think I should be... I think I should be getting close to another boss battle. It look, it seems to be that way. But we'll see what happens next week. Uh, so, oh yeah. Also played a little bit of Stargate Valley with some friends. We're still doing uh, some more farming work or still trying to build up our other attributes. So I'm still doing farming work. Um, that's going well. And also... Because... <laughs> Because of the fact that when we started, we just went and did our own thing to contribute to the farm. I realized that there were a bunch of early game quests that I never started. <laughs> so I also <laughs> I also decided to start doing that as well. And uh, that, that's, that's also coming along and clearing out that list there. But um, yeah, I think that's all of the games that I've played this weekend. Oh, and of course, Demon X Machina. Oh, I just forgot. To remember that's um, that that's going pretty well. I've finished the main game. I finished pretty much all of the content. It's just there are three trophy, three achievements left in the game where mm-hmm. they want you to all together uh, defeat one hundred thousand enemies. And the problem, the problem with that is the fact that I. I literally went through the entire game I literally grinded to get all of the weapons and armor mm. and I haven't even hit 20,000 enemies oh my goodness and I and I, I don't know if I even want to bother doing that yeah it seems kind of ridiculous is there a- I mean I, mean, I d- oh, go ahead. oh no so I don't necessarily even mind that with games because I've seen that happen before but it definitely seems more manageable in other games yeah
0: yeah i wonder if there's like um any particular level where you get more enemies than others where it would be easier to grind that out i mean it's still a lot of enemies but
1: there are two um like i looked in online install and i also looked on steam forums and saw there are two levels one you can kill i think 200 enemies but the problem is you're in this giant robot that's so unwieldy Mm -hmm. that it takes so much time that it's unless you're very good at it it's going to be too much of a time waster and the other one which is the one that you uh that footage that i provided Mm -hmm. you can defeat about i think 20 to 30 enemies in that level the only problem with that is that there's A small chance that you'll get a random encounter which will take probably about a minute or two to complete so Mm. instead of say taking about 30 seconds to clear that level and keep doing it you might have a chance to add an extra minute or two of you finding one enemy that you don't really want to fight Right. yeah that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah looking at your footage though um, I mean like I can't remember if I've ever actually played any of Half Life One, but from what I remember looking at in the past, it seems like they they've improved the the visuals a bit too, like or at least the shading and that sort of thing. Like it looks better than it did before. I I could be wrong on that front because the only version of Half Life One that I've like actually played, or well, I guess I should say, I I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever played. Half-Life 1 itself, I've played a couple of the side games, both Blue Shift and uh, whatever the other green, whatever the green one was. Um, but when, when will you play as as a, one of the cops, uh, and then when will you play as one of the soldiers that's coming to hunt Gordon Freeman? Um, uh-huh. For some reason, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But anyway, um, the, the only time I've played anything of Half-Life 1 was the a fan remake uh, called Black Mesa, which I played when it was back when it was in beta before they had completed the full game and they only, they hadn't gotten um, the, the very last area done yet. And now they have the full game. I, I haven't, I just haven't tried uh, going back through it, but yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, I, of course, also have been playing pretty much exclusively my Steam Deck OLED Um, one of the first games I decided to jump into is a almost 30 year old game now which I had mentioned that I I had been wanting to check out uh, called Beyond the Steel Sky and it is a point and click uh, adventure game, all pixel art Um, so at least visually it actually holds up decently well um, it doesn't have button controls, at least not in the 1994 version, um, which I got free through GOG a long time ago. Um, but it's it's an interesting game. It's pretty humorous. Um, you know, so, Sometimes the puzzles are a little on the obscure side in terms of the solutions, but um, I, I spent probably like two or three hours playing that on Saturday. And this is probably the first time where I've used... Um, the touchpad almost exclusively to play a game. Because it's it's basically just, it's a mouse game. And, like, I'll use the analog triggers as mouse buttons occasionally, but that's about the extent of any button controls or anything that I'm using. Because it's just, you click to move around, you click to talk to people, you move the mouse up to the top of the screen to select items to interact with stuff, that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting one thing i did find out after i had played a bit of that is that they actually did a remake of it in 2020 Hmm. that's free on steam and it's still pixel art and everything i don't know anything about um about how it controls on steam deck or otherwise my guess is still you know point and click and everything it's just updated visuals and um I think it might be verified on Steam Deck. I can't rem- Well, it's probably not verified. It's probably just playable. But either way, I mean, like, in some ways I kind of wish I had played that one because it would have been a little bit less workaround to get it going because, you know, with GOG, when you get something from GOG, you end up having to run Galaxy in order to uh, get to... I mean, in order to start up the game. And it works. It just... some Occasionally there's a little more uh, frustrations when it comes to Proton, so... Um, but either way, it ended up working out all right. Um, additionally, I decided I wanted to mess around with some of the games that I had previously put on my original Steam Deck, uh, which, by the way, I was able to sell my my original one yesterday. Um, nice. And so, I like, I had tried to a couple of the ps3 games and those ones were not working for me but i think it's because i have to get the firmware for the ps3 in order to run those because i think that was the error that was coming up was just not having the firmware so i, I just haven't gotten around to actually going and doing that and i haven't cared that much because there's none of them that i wanted to play that bad it was more just kind of like i wanted to test a couple of them out see if they perform at all any better uh particularly ratchet and clank um into the Nexus, and Sly Cooper, Thieves in Time, because those are two that I have on there that I've seen running better. Oh, and then also the Metal Gear Solid HD collection. I wanted to try that because I've seen other people running Metal Gear Solid 3, and they were getting 60 frames per second, but when I tried running it, it felt like I was running through molasses. It was terrible, and I couldn't figure out why, and I looked up, and I couldn't find anything in the settings to fix it. It's like, Menus, Hmm. 60 frames, no problem. But outside of the menus, it's terrible. It runs worse than it does on the 3DS. Um, Or at least it feels worse than it does on the 3DS. No, it runs worse. Yeah, it runs worse. Um, But, I mean, it's just, you know, PS3 emulation is always... I mean, it tends to not be great on something unless it's super powerful. And then it's just... Yeah, it's really weird. Um, One thing I did forget to mention with Beyond a Steel Sky... um, Which I'm now blanking on what I was going to say about that. Um, What was it? I'll probably just come back to that if if it comes back to mind. Um, But uh, other things I did get to test out emulation-wise... I I decided to uh, do Wind Waker HD. And, uh, I mean, of course, I already knew that this game runs pretty well on Steam Deck. You know, it, it, uh, it, it looks great. And on the OLED screen, it's like... Oh, man. Like, even if this game never comes to Switch on the OLED... It runs perfectly on the Steam Deck. Now, the one thing that would convince me to buy it on the Switch... Um, would be if it ran at 60 frames per second on there. Uh, Which is not impossible. It is theoretically possible. They've done it with some Wii U games. They've updated them to run at 60 on the Switch. So, if they were able to do that, that would convince me to buy it, because the emulated version only runs at 30. Um, There doesn't seem to be a way around that, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks fantastic. Basically, the the only part I played was uh, going through the... The fortress, uh, whatever's—I can't remember the name of the fortress—but it's it's basically like r- right after you first leave his his home island, and then you go to the fortress for the first time to try and find your sister before um, you get not you know launched off the island and everything, or launched off of the the fortress onto um, whatever the name of the island is—the first place you go to, but. It's, uh, yeah, looks great, runs great. Um, I ended up having to switch the the button layout to have A in the spot that it is on the Steam Deck versus the Switch, or I mean, versus Nintendo, just because it was throwing me off too much. <laughs> I, I Just because I haven't been... I, I mean, like, I haven't... I think it's mostly because of the muscle memory associated with the Steam Deck itself that mm-hmm. it's throwing me off. Because, like, if I'm playing the Switch i don't have that problem but when i'm playing the steam deck it's different because i'm used to a being on the bottom and not on the right so anyway um but additionally for emulation um i also uh i got i played a little bit of castlevania symphony of the night um which of course looks runs great on the steam deck um I'm not going to let myself get back into that game because I love it, but <laughs> I have other Castlevania games that I haven't played yet. So uh, rather than replaying that one, as much as I enjoy it, it's like there's other fantastic ones. Cause like I have the advanced collection, which I've heard those games are amazing. Um, I have the Lords of shadow games, um, which I played a little bit of the first one and I've played the, uh, Mirror of Fate one, which was originally on 3DS. I haven't played it on, on Steam, on PC or Steam Deck, but I did play it on 3DS and enjoyed it a lot. Um, in fact, that was my first Castlevania game. Actual Castlevania game that I played um, last year. And, um... Yeah. Um, oh. Did, man, did I really get rid... Oh, okay, I do have, I do have footage from one of the other games I emulated... Uh, that is Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers for Game Boy Advance.
1: I don't know. Have you ever played uh, that one? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's been such a long time since I played that game, but yeah, I remember I bought it from GameStop years ago. But yeah, so was that a game that you played before?
0: Um, I had only played it a tiny bit. Like I had, I had emulated it many years ago when I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. And, um, you know, the, the little bit that I had played, I, I enjoyed. And, of course, since then, I got really into, like, Diablo and that sort of thing. And this is basically a Diablo game. I mean, that's really what it is. I, I had tried to get into, like, the PS2 slash GameCube um, Two Towers game, and I couldn't get into it. I, I'm, I'm sure if I gave it another try again, I'd probably be able to get into it. But for some reason, I just couldn't get into that. But I really liked this one the little bit that I had played, and I, I didn't play very much. Um, but yeah, I just kind of dabbled with it more because, um, I mean, I think it's fun, but at the same time, I mean, if I really want to play Diablo game, mm-hmm. I haven't finished three of the four Diablo games I have. So there's that. Um, <laughs> so, but then uh, speaking of Diablo, I did install... Uh, the other, Di- all the Diablo games on my Steam Deck. So, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Um, that one runs at 60 frames per second without without any real difficulty. Um, it is, I mean, it looks great. Um, there's all that. Um, you know, it has button controls, so it works great from that standpoint. Um, I definitely I- enjoyed um you know, messing with that, it's still like. I wish I could get as much into it as I did with 3 and 4, but it's so much harder to get into because it is a hard game. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, thankfully, that one does have, um, cross save. I mean, it just has your save and, on battle.net. So, like, all the, the progress I had made on Switch, I could you know very easily carry over to just steam or to uh, to PC and and Steam Deck but you know it, it controls great i mean the switch version at least from with it without actually testing it for myself i i believe it runs around 60 and maintains it pretty well it's just more blurry um, than the PC version obviously um, but um, even though that's the case, um, Diablo 3, which, so, so I decided to buy uh, 2 and 3 because they were on sale. I mean, it was like, I think it was $15, maybe $20 that it, you got both 2 and 3 together. And I just figured, you know, 2 I know I can carry my progress over, 3 does not carry progress over, but what's worse about three, in my opinion, is that it does not have button controls on PC and Steam Deck. At least, not that I could figure out. I, I might just need to do a bit more research. But at least from what I looked up, it didn't seem like there there's button controls at all for the PC version. And I mean, like I, I ended up playing a little bit with with the touchpad, and I can definitely you know map some some controls to different buttons on the Steam Deck. Like, I'm fine playing mouse and keyboard when I'm playing on PC because the game controls just fine. I mean, controls great that way, but I like the button controls because they're just really well designed and it bugs me that that game does not do it. It does, however, hit 90 frames per second without any problems, Um, mostly because it's, you know, like an 11 year old game originally came out 11 years ago. So, but yeah, 90 frames per second. No problem. Max settings on everything. Um, so at least that part's nice. Um, I do wish that, that I could carry over characters from the, from the Switch version, but they just they never did that. And um, I kind of see it more as, like, if I just want to... Uh, probably more if I want to do, like, free roam kind of thing, because you can do an adventure thing where you're not doing the campaign. And um, I don't know it's an easier game much much easier but it was what got me into Diablo and it was what my wife got really into as well and we played a lot of that together before we ended up getting four well we got two she was struggling with that because it's just a lot harder and then we got four and four is a good uh, middle ground between the two it's not as hard as two but it is harder than three so um but it's still pretty fun I mean what, what little I played on Steam Deck, I, I still think that it's it's worth having on PC. Um, and I definitely would would try it some more. I think I just need to mess with the controls or see if there's some way to get button controls working properly. Um, but additionally, um, more just as a test thing than anything else, I decided to uh, re-download Spider-Man Remastered. And, um... The main thing that really motivated me to do that was when I was selling my Steam Deck, the the guy who was going to buy it wanted to see Spider-Man on uh, the LCD. And, and I remembered that, oh yeah, Spider-Man Remastered is supposed to have um, HDR support. So I figured I would download it, check out the HDR. I'm kind of mixed on how much I care about the HDR. Like, I've never used it before. And, I mean, it... It does look good, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything by not having it turned on. So, I don't know. I I basically just briefly... uh, I played enough to get some gameplay footage since I already had it installed. And then I uninstalled it, because I've I've already 100%ed the game. I don't really... I'm not in a rush to play it again. I do think it's still a great game. Still well worth playing. Um, Regardless of uh, the... Uh, Spider-Man 2 that I don't want to acknowledge actually exists. Um, <laughs> but a another uh, superhero open world game that I tested out was Prototype, which another one, as I expected, runs at 90 frames per second. No problems whatsoever. Um, I mean, all I really did was just run around the open world. I didn't get into any combat situations or anything, so I'm sure that would uh, I mean, that'll, you know, obviously be more demanding, but I still don't think it's going to have much, if any, hiccups. Because it's it's a really well-optimized game, and of course it's an old game too, so... Uh, but that, that was pretty cool, the little bit that I played of that. Um, and then I also did some more Final Fantasy VII uh, with those mods. Man, it looks great on the Steam Deck, OLED. I mean, like... I, I I think I'm um, the mods as it is are already great and it makes the game look great. But on the OLED screen it just like it's gorgeous. Um Definitely really glad that I had a chance to uh to play some more of that. I mean I didn't play very much. I played like maybe maybe an hour or two. Um one thing I will say is that like I, I knew that remake really stretched out, uh, these early parts of the game, but I kind of in some ways forgot how much it stretches it out because sections that literally take hours to get through, I, I mean, you know, as sec- sections that take about, I mean, I mean, like I, I got to this one part where, where you go to sector six you know, which is where you end, ultimately end up doing the, the cross-dressing thing and Don Corneo and all that. I got all the way there in like an hour and a half of game time from from the very beginning of the game until there um, in Final Fantasy 7 and in Remake, I think that's probably like 15-20 hours in. <laughs> oh gosh. But the thing is, is that like I think Remake does it so well, because yes it's padded, but it doesn't I mean, I mean, like, like if you're not thinking about how short it was before necessarily, and you're just playing the game to play the game, I think it still works. And you know, I I, de- I definitely don't think that people's criticism of that is unreasonable. I just think that the the combat feels so good in remake that it didn't bother me that much. Um, but still, it's kind of cool going back to Final Fantasy VII and just just playing around with that after years and years of, um having previously, you know, played it numerous times. Um, but the thing that I definitely played more than anything else on the OLED was, of course, Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. And I've just been hooked on this game. I'm, I'm having so much, so much fun with it. I'm really glad I decided to get back into that. I mean, of course, it looks great on the OLED screen. It already looked great on Steam Deck. Runs really well seems to just be capped at 60 frames per second like it will not go above hmm. 60 um, I mean it doesn't drop below 60 either but it's just like I try setting it at 90 90 FPS or 90 hertz and um, you know with the 90 FPS cap on the steam deck and it, it just doesn't doesn't break 60 and I haven't tried seeing um, if it'll break 60 on PC itself but I feel like it might not. Um, I, I have to test it and find out for sure. But yeah. Anyway, I've I've ha- I've been having a great time with it. I'm I'm gonna be playing that a lot. I don't know how much of any other games I'll be playing um, for a while. But at least for now, that's that's what I'm into. So lots of stuff this week. Well, anything else? Uh, no, no, nothing else from me. Alright, so let's go into the news. So, the meme has finally become reality. And I I suppose this isn't the first time it's happened, but um, Ubisoft decided that it would to, uh, decided to sneak an ad into Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, to it, uh, I can't talk. They, they put an ad for in Assassin's Creed Odyssey for the new Assassin's Creed Mirage, uh, advertising that it was on sale. And this is something new. it's It hasn't happened before. I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I think I have, like, over 100 hours in that game, and I'm still not completely done with it. Um, and... Yeah, I, I guess... I, I think I think it's when, like, someone was trying to fast travel, and then this ad popped up. And Ubisoft is saying, oh, this was a mistake. This this uh, this wasn't... This was just a, a glitch. This wasn't supposed to happen. And, um, probably, of course, Mio made it stop happening, but... Uh, We've, we've definitely seen memes about this kind of thing happening over the years and I think actually NBA 2K might have done it previously before um, on a similar level among other ridiculous things like gambling and game
1: but I want to hear your thoughts on, on this whole thing. <laughs> well, I, I personally uh, feel that this uh, PR speak of it's a glitch. Uh, definitely was not a glitch. Uh, I I don't see how something like this can be a glitch. You don't you don't just program something to happen in a game for like that. I mean, imagine if you were playing Super Mario Brothers and then there was just an ad popping up for, "Hey, Super Smash Bros. Ultimates on sale!" Like. It's completely irrelevant to what you're doing right there. And sure, Assassin's Creed Mirage is the newest game, but you don't have. There's no reason why any sort of advertisement should pop up in a game. And the worst part about this is the fact that while the game, you know, is discounted now, it's not going to be the same price as it was then, this is a $60 game and you have an advertisement for it in there. Like, I already think that microtransactions in $60 games are bad enough, but to have ads in games for $60 games is ridiculous completely. Um, And yeah, I I do agree. I think that 2K did do something like that. Oh no, they did. They sort of had, I think it was when there are replays going on, replay clips of stuff that happens in the game. They're just banners for different, I can't remember if it's, different companies or something it there's there's some sort of advertisement going on in those reclips uh so that that definitely has happened before and but i'm not surprised that ubisoft did this this definitely seems like something they would do uh, i don't believe their excuse quote unquote uh yeah that's that that's how i feel
0: yeah um so I I will definitely say that yes I I'm I'm with you I don't believe their excuse. I did think of a way that there is the potential that this could actually be legitimately just a glitch. And that is um one one thing that does show up um with with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and this is just um at, at the the menu before you start the game like it'll have the the screen where you you choose to load your game, you know, whatever. Um, They'll typically have, like, little ads on the side there, that sort of thing. So it's not impossible. I I think it's unlikely, but it's not impossible that maybe this was an ad that was programmed to actually show up at the title screen, but then something got messed up in the code and it showed up at a different point in the game. Now, that being said, I don't think that's actually what happened. I'm, I'm saying that I think it's not impossible that it could have happened. I just think that they were testing the waters. I mean, obviously, this is that's what they were doing. They were testing the waters, seeing if they could get away with it. If, if people would complain about it. And obviously, people did. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least they didn't do it in the middle of like combat or something. Like, just having it randomly <laughs> pop up. Because that would have been terrible. Because yes. there are definitely times in the combat, particularly in in Odyssey, where um, where people don't go down as easily as they do in something like Mirage. That you know that could mean the difference between staying alive and dying. Um, but even still, yeah, I, I think it's they're testing the waters. So that's that's all there is to it, and they're. They're trying to brush it off, pretend that they didn't do that, but they did, and they did it on purpose. That's my my opinion anyway, so. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but anyway, any other uh, thoughts on this before we move on to the next topic?
1: No, I just wonder how long it could possibly be until they, or someone else tries to do something like this again. Might be a year, might be... Six months, we'll we'll, we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that I could see happening very easily is that one of these uh, companies, I I could see it, especially with like uh, any company where they have a game with like billboards built in the game, they would probably put advertisements there. Program those in to show like the latest sales, that sort of thing. Like, you know, in Mm. Spider-Man or, um, you know, any, uh, I mean, cyberpunk could technically do it, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, any game where there's going to be like billboards or, uh, particularly when it's like video billboards, having, think something like that show up advertisements in game, just kind of hide it a little bit more. Uh, like something that I noticed in, in the prototype, I mean, when I was playing prototype is that, uh, there are GameStop banners on sides of buildings, you know, on like billboards, in a couple spots, and it's like, I mean, it it's it's not that's that's not the same kind of thing for sure. Um, it's obviously you know, GameStop sponsored the game, and so they got <laughs> their ads plugged into the game from that standpoint. But it's not like anything that's detracting from the gameplay. It's just an environmental thing. So.
1: I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. and I actually was going to mention that when you mentioned prototype, uh, is the fact or mentioned billboards. I think that if it's something like that, it's not as egregious just because mm-hmm. it is something that is off to the side. And I didn't notice the GameStop one when I played Prototype. But I did notice DC Comics logo mm-hmm. on one on a couple uh, billboards. And I was curious about that, and I looked up that actually there was a. A, a partnership between the developer and company and DC where they made a limited uh, run of uh, comic books tie-in gotcha. to tie-in so that explained why that was there so I don't necessarily think that as long as the ads aren't I guess too obvious per se is something like Hey, fifteen percent off of these games, or in sale, or something like that. If it's something like maybe a logo or something like that, I don't think I would necessarily mind it as much. But just mm-hmm. don't go overboard, right?
0: Yeah, you you don't want it to be too ridiculous. Like if you've ever seen um, Ready Player One, I mean, I I haven't read the book, but you know, I I love the movie, and um, there there's one one part where they're um, like the big evil corporation is talking about um, taking up like eighty percent of per- of the person's view with ads, <laughs> like pop up ads on the on their screen <laughs> for the VR headset and everything, and just like, oh man, I could see that happening in the future for sure. But. <laughs> Anyway, uh, moving on to the next topic here, uh, Dragon's Dogma Two. You want to you want to cover that one?
1: Yes. So the a couple of days ago, uh, Capcom well, Capcom initially announced this a while back that they were going to reveal the release dates for Dragon's Dogma Two, and they did actually come out and release it, and it's coming out next March. As a matter of fact, uh, let me actually pull up the exact dates here. That is March the. It goes the twenty fourth, maybe. Uh, March twenty first. Twenty first, okay. Yep, and so it's coming out then, which is, frankly, uh, a lot sooner than I would have expected. But hey, I think that's great. And then shortly, after, well, they also announced a couple other things as well. Along with that, they announced the price, which is seventy dollars, which is a first for Capcom. Uh, and then also, a few days later, they announced the PC requirements for the game, which is interesting, I- I'll say. Uh, so for the minimum sp- PC specs, it is uh, Intel Core i5-10600 uh, 10, uh, 10, or an AMD Ryzen 5 3600, 16GB of RAM for GPU, either a GTX 1070 or... Uh, AMD RX 5500 XT with 8 gigs of VRAM and that and for the minimum requirements that's only for aiming for 1080p 30 frames per second they do note that frame rate might drop in graphically intensive scenes. For the recommended system PC specs that is going to need an Intel Core i7-10700 or a Ryzen 53600X Uh, still 16 gigabytes for memory and for graphics, you need a RTX 2080 or an AMD RX 6700. Um, that's also for aiming for 4K 30 frames per second. They didn't recommend. They didn't announce what the storage requirements were. Uh, one thing they also said, mentioned, which wasn't on, say, like different things, but I saw that on Steam page. It said that uh, for, whoops. For ray tracing, a 20-ATI or RX 6800 are required. So yeah, so that that's what they have shared with us so far. <sighs> so do you, do you want to start, or do you want me to start? <laughs> well, you are more a fan of Dragon's Dogma than I am, so I'll let you go for it. Okay, so I... I've been looking forward to this game. I was very surprised that we actually were going to get this sequel in the first place, and I am actually completely disapp- uh, disappointed that it is seventy dollars. Um, again, this is kept, I'm I'm surprised because Capcom hasn't or didn't show that they would be doing this um, with Resident Evil Four remake. That was sixty dollars for. I can't remember what the other previous game i i know that they, they made another i and pretty soon they made another big game between resident evil 8 and the 4 remake i just can't remember what it was but either way whatever that was that would have been 60 dollars. so this is their first 70 game and uh, i i really can't see myself swallowing that i i, well, I i'm not swallowing that in fact I saw that they actually have it on sale on Green Man Gaming for, I think, $58. And I'm not certain if I want to do that or not, or just wait a little more. And on the other hand, I also feel like I'm not too surprised, considering the fact that Capcom also released the Mega Man uh, uh, Battle Network collection for $60 altogether. Which was way more than I was expecting. But but still, I, I don't know. And I guess one thing is, I, I'm not, I don't really feel that the minimum requirements are too bad.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: they're reasonable. However, I think for only 1080p, 30fps, that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, I know that also the game, I think it's supposed to be using Unreal Engine 5. But I'm just thinking... Uh, I, I definitely think that the recommended specs are a bit or at least personally just feel a bit higher than they should be I, I don't mm-hmm. know um, sure we're several generations later but I mean people are still using like 1660 TI's and I'm just thinking to myself wow I, I don't and also I mean granted I'm not entirely certain how well my uh computer can play it because i have it uses a uh mobile 5500 mm-hmm. so i i am not certain how well that's gonna actually <laughs> translate uh for playing it so i don't know i'll see i'll most likely just wait a while i'll definitely probably wait till at least hits 50 dollars before i get mm-hmm. it maybe but i don't know i'm really hyped though for the game though because i've I enjoyed Dragon Dog One. I that I've gone through a lot of stuff in there in the game, but I haven't necessarily completed it. But from mm-hmm. what, what I played through the game, it's so good. Um, and I was really looking forward to just going through all that again. <sighs> I, I I don't know. I I just, I just really went to. I I have high hopes for the game. It definitely shows a lot of promise. Definitely shows more of what I enjoyed in the first one. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I actually do hope they bring. Back are uh, certain references and, and certain designs because I know that for the first game, they took a lot of references from the Berserk manga, especially with the character design. So they have a, they have some armor sets, even the char- even a couple default ca- uh, character design choices are based off of characters from the series. Mm-hmm. And there's even a giant sword that looks exactly like. The sword from Berserk. So I'm hoping that some more references like that will appear that you can use to customize your characters. They most likely will. Um I'm kinda sad that they don't have online multiplayer. That's something I actually would have liked to have uh. seen. Because even though you do have your uh you do have the NPCs that aid you, I think that something like that really would have benefited from playing with other people. Sure, you can send your companions to help other players. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it's the same as... Right. You know, playing with a friend... Like you would, say, Monster Hunter. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that, those, that's just how I feel... On ev- everything. Well...
0: I played a bit of Dragon's Dogma... On Switch. I liked most of what I played. The one thing that really bugged me... And I, I know that if something... That gets unlocked later in the game but the, the fact that there was no fast travel, um, at least early on in the game, and I found that to be really frustrating because it just got to a point where it was like, if, if I, you know, like, I'd go all the way somewhere thinking that this is where I was supposed to go next and then realize when I got there, oh, I, I missed what I was supposed to get way back in this previous town. And so now I have to trek all the way back there and it just really slow and tedious and annoying um and that was the main thing that got me to stop playing the game um that and ulti- I mean I, another thing that I know you can change later but I had the way haya had designed my character initially I really ultimately didn't end up liking it and it, it just was, like, playing as the character was bugging me because I didn't like the way they looked at all. <laughs> and I know that you can change it later on, but I wasn't to that point yet, so that was another part of it. And um, I did eventually end up buying it on PC, um, mostly because I wanted to test it out on Steam Deck, and it runs pretty well there, though it's not consistent on 60 frames, which is annoying, especially for that old of a game. Um, but I I didn't play much at all. I mean, I, I, like, I didn't really leave, like, the initial village. I basically got past the the opening, you know, where you fight the dragon or whatever, and then played a a tiny bit past that, and that was it. Whereas, I think I played, like, 20, maybe uh, 15-20 hours on the Switch version. So, but anyway, so... This one, I'm like... If I can ever get back into the original Dragon's Dogma... Then I'll probably be interested in this. But... Like, right now... I don't really have an interest. Um, I do think the specs are interesting. Um, I I don't like the fact that they're still only targeting 30 frames per second. Mm. Because it's like... Well, as, as of this point even on PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Series X you can't get above 30 frames per second because it's it's capped at that which is dumb. I mean, PC you can. You can you can get higher, but not on consoles. Even though there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. Granted, well, I don't know. I uh but looking at these specs I'd be curious about whether or not this would run on the Steam Deck, because some of the specs are like maybe the processor is the main part that I'm not sure about. And of course, DirectX—at least in my experience so far—DirectX 12 sucks. Like it, I find most of the, every time I've tried to run a game with DirectX 12 versus 11, it almost always crashes. And I end up just running it on 11 because then it actually then it doesn't crash. Um, but, I mean, my PC could probably run the recommended settings. I have a 2080 Ti. Um, I have an i9 9900K, which is pretty comparable to the i7 10700. It's a little lower, it's like minus 3.6 gigahertz, and that one's 3.8. And I think mine has, I think they have the same number of cores. Um, it's definitely better than the i5 10600, um, but a little weaker than the i7 uh, for 10700 for the recommended. Um, I have way more memory. I have 64 gigs of RAM, so I'm <laughs> overkill. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I could probably easily get 1080p 60. Maybe better, depending on how CPU heavy it is and everything. Um, but once again, it's just I I have to get into the first one before I even consider the second one. And I know that there it's supposed to be like a parallel universe or whatever, to where you don't have to play the first one in order to play the second one. But I don't know the the lack of fast travel just really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I that really ruined my experience and it it took, took what I I enjoyed otherwise and just made it really hard for me to stick with it. So I don't know. Maybe eventually I'll give it a try again. I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. Cause the other thing is that it's like, I don't really want to start over because I don't like Mm -hmm. having to start a game like that over again. But I also, it's been long enough since I played to where I don't even really remember the controls. And I'm sure I could probably figure them out. They weren't that hard. But it's like having to refigure it out. Then having to figure out where I need to go so that I'm not spending as much time getting frustrated with the lack of fast travel until I can actually get it in whatever form it comes and wanting to change my character's appearance because I hate my character's <laughs> appearance. Uh, anyway, I'm I've branted I enough about this. <laughs> All that being said, I think it's cool that it's coming out. Um, the Seventy dollars. It's not surprising, but at least there's Green Man Gaming for discounts. For people who want it, I'm not in any way planning to buy this before it drops significantly in price and I actually get enough into the first game to where I feel like buying the second one is worth my time. And also finding out whether or not it runs on Steam Deck, because if it doesn't, then that that's another mark against it for me. And I could even deal with the 30 frames if I had to for Steam Deck, if, if it if it ran, you know. But I, I don't know, because some of these specs, it's like, the, the CPU is really honestly the one thing I'm just not sure about. The the GPU part, I mean, because the, the Steam Deck is equal to about a 1060, so it's a little lower spec probably, but I don't know. It's it's so hard to, to tell for sure, because sometimes they say, oh, you know, the Steam Deck's not going to be able to run this, and then it runs, even if it's not running the best. So I don't know. Anyway. Let's move on to a different topic. So speaking of games that technically run on Steam Deck, but aren't great on Steam Deck. Starfield. So we have, um, well, at least I have been uh, probably a bit more... uh, I I spend more time picking on PlayStation fanboys than I do Xbox fanboys. Um, Mostly because they tend to be the ones who give more of a reason to be picked on but picking on I, I pick on playstation a bit more sometimes mostly because i do like playstation and it bugs me that they do so many things that are just like infuriating at times uh but starfield currently on steam has about a 69 in percent positive rating and then a lot of negative reviews as well And the developers of Starfield have decided to start responding to users on Steam who have given negative reviews. Now, this is one of those things that can either be a recipe for complete disaster or can potentially do some positive uh, PR. However, from what we've seen of how they've responded... It's kind of mixed. So um, I'm not going to read the specific uh, examples. There's there's some great videos out there that cover it. Uh, but a great one, of course. Always recommend Oh No, It's Alex. Uh, he does a really good job covering some of these. Uh, but the short version is that the responses to these reviews are essentially either canned text, which I think is the most likely scenario... Uh, that these developers use basically just copying and pasting a script or they are ai generated potentially ai generated initially uh the the script that they need and then they copy paste could be could be either one of those but uh basically the uh there there's not there's not any sort of like negativity towards the people who have negative things to say basically it's just kind of like okay, we're going to put our positive spin on on the people's complaints by telling them all the things that the game does well and why the game's actually good, essentially, is what they're doing. Um, I have lots of things to say about it because I, because I play Starfield, or I have played it quite a bit, and I play off and on. Um, so you as an outsider, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Okay, so I'll say that when I first heard about what had happened and watched Onyx Alex's video, I was almost nervous because I was going to think that it was going to be the worst case scenario where the developers were actually flipping out over what uh, mm. people were saying. Right. So I'm glad that it wasn't that. But on mm. the same hand, I really don't feel like a lot of the because they were canned responses. Uh, I don't feel like that they really addressed. What some people were saying, especially the more people are actually providing some uh, positive feedback and criticism, just because it felt too much of a cookie cutter response. Like, mm. I, uh, I I think it's fine that developers respond, but I think it's something that actually should provide something for that the actual person revealing it understands, or something that they might not understand. Because I have actually have seen. I can't remember what game, but there was some game that i had seen before where a developer responded because someone said the controls were were horrific, and the developer said, uh, "Actually, if you go and try to do this under your settings, then that should work for you." So, like something like that, that mm-hmm. actually addresses the uh, complaints. That's fine, but what developer is? Uh, I'm sorry, what Bethesda is doing doesn't do that. It's really not providing any sort of feedback. It's not really providing any sort of answer. And it's really just seemed as a PR as far as why people should actually buy the game. So it doesn't really make sense to me why they're doing this. Um, I I definitely... I think I I wouldn't be surprised if it actually is AI generated just because Microsoft, they have that big stake in Mm -hmm. ChatGPT. And they're trying to get some mileage out of that. So I wouldn't be surprised... I'm not, I'm not, but I'm not, since I'm not discounting the fact that it is something that they just wrote up, copied and pasted and just sent it out to a bunch of negative reviews, um, they definitely could do better. I I definitely think that if they wanted to, I mean, they've got the resources, they could have someone dedicated to actually respond, listen and take feedback. And something that actually, oh no, it's Alex mentioned was the fact that, um, for Starf, uh, I'm sorry, not Starfield. No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. um, with Sean Murray and Hello Games, you know, they took that feedback to heart. They actually went back, addressed those problems that people had, and they made it a better game. Now, I didn't play No Man's Sky when it first released. I played it way after the fixes had been made, and I think it's a good game. And I think that. Bethesda should do the same thing with Starfield for people who have problems with it. Just take that feedback, uh, go back to the board, and try to make improvements. Now, at the same time, I'm not saying that games should be like this. I'm not saying that games should be releasing in states that have problems at launch and they just say, well, we'll just fix it later. Like I think that's a whole lot of the mentality that we have in this modern age where games are released digitally, and they're connected to the internet, and so they'd say, hey, if it's messed up at launch, that's fine. We can always just fix it later. That's if they fix it later. Um, But at the same time, they should listen to what people are saying and try to fix those problems that are there. But that's just what I'm thinking as someone who hasn't played the game at all, and just, like, sees all this stuff going on. Right. So...
0: Okay, before I get into my overall thoughts on this, I do want to say one thing. Xbox fanboys. <laughs> Something you need to understand, because I've seen this from a couple of them, even even ones whose channels I've liked in general, but you're showing your Xbox fanboy colors when you start saying that this is PlayStation fanboys putting these reviews up. <laughs> That's not how it works on Steam, you can't put a review up until you've actually played the game. And all of these reviewers, all these people who have put negative reviews up have played the game. Many of them have played it for a good 20, 30 hours. Um, Some some of them even significantly more than that. And, I mean, it is sometimes hard to understand how someone can play for 200 hours of a game and then put a negative review. (laughs) I'm trying to understand that that doesn't make sense to me. Um, however, I do think that from what I've seen of the criticisms, the criticisms are completely valid. And these, I mean, while it's possible that there's one or two PlayStation fanboys who who have a Steam account, you know, bought the game on Steam, because they have to buy the game on, I mean, with Steam, and unless they got a key from someone, someone gave them a key... They have to actually buy the game to play it. Um, and it's possible that there are a handful of PlayStation fanboys who, definitely, who actually went that far because they have Xbox so much on their mind that they just have to do everything they can to discredit it, whatever. Um, I don't think that's the majority. I think that probably it's like, maybe one or two percent of the negative reviews would be that and that the vast majority are just people who bought it on pc um in general and there are lots of valid criticisms um you know people will criticize the the procedurally generated planets so how there's a lot of stuff that feels very samey at times um that there's not enough variety that there's That the story doesn't feel like it has any real weight to it. I don't know, just just all sorts of different things. Like, I don't have the specifics um, in front of me of what people have complained about. But looking at, like, the ones that that, Ono It's Alex was showing on his video. um, It was pretty much all really legitimate... uh, criticisms of the game and I think that they were actually helpful things, things that can be improved about the game. I can think of some things that need to be improved about the game. Some of those have already been fixed by modders um, but then later broken by updates or the the the, moder- the mods got broken with updates uh, particularly like one related to the inventory someone came up with a great mod for the inventory that makes it significantly better um, than what Bethesda did and um and I guess when, when Bethesda made their most recent update that added dlss and everything it it broke that and I haven't had a chance to look up and see if there's a an update to that mod to fix it again because I miss it <laughs> um but yeah this like starfield I love starfield I really really enjoy what I played, but the criticisms are largely really valid. I'm, I will say that I am thankful that it has fast travel. While it would be nice to ha- also have some type of vehicle you can use for traversing planets, you know, like a rover or something, you know, s- something just to get around these these large spaces so that it's not so slow, especially if you happen to be overburdened because it's really easy to end up with carrying too much and then it's like unless you drop stuff on the ground or on rare occasions I mean you know, if if your uh, NPC companion happens to have ability to carry stuff you can give them some of that but like I, I find myself overburdened frequently and that's even with trying to go down to as bare minimum as I can and then I run out of space on my ship and I don't have a place to put stuff oh, in there gosh. And it's like... So I have to try and find... I, I have to get to... Like there's a, a... A crate or something that you can use... In like the main city... Um, like the main base of, of the group you're part of. That I believe has basically unlimited storage. And anyway... Like I said... There, there's, there's lots of things that I think are worth criticizing about this game. Lots of areas in which... Bethesda can fix this game, and I'm sure as time goes on, they will make this game better. I mean, they—that's one thing they're—they're they're typically good at. They, even when a game launches and it's got some major issues, they fix a lot of those issues. I mean, like from what I've heard, Fallout 76 is actually a good game now. Um, I haven't played it, but I have—I just haven't gotten into Fallout, even though I actually own all but 76 because I got three of them for free and two of them for cheap. Um, But anyway, going back to Bethesda's responses to these negative reviews. So I like you, I really was afraid that it was going to be the developers going off on the people who put the negative reviews, which I, I mean, we've seen that happen in, other forms of media before and even with game developers doing that to the people who have criticisms of their game even when they're legitimate and that is something they should never be doing never absolutely never Um, I think that it's good that they're willing to take the time to respond to people Um, I think that it's better that they're doing that than not saying anything like Hello Games did, or is that is it Hello Games that did in yeah. No Man's Sky? Yeah. Yeah. So they were just completely silent on this. And I don't I mean, like, ultimately it ended up being fine because they did fix their game and everyone has said that it's it's great now. Um, I just never really was that interested in it. But I I think that I don't know. I, I, I guess that can be okay as long as you're actually fixing fixing things in the background if, if you're going to be completely quiet fix the game that's fine but I think it's also good to at least acknowledge that there's issues um, there was that point in the past when um, Todd Howard after you know people were complaining about how Starfield was not optimized for PC basically just told people you just need to get a better PC and it's like come on son no no <laughs> No, that is not accurate. You have not your game is not well optimized, and it's proven by the fact that they've actually been making changes to fix that. But obviously, that was kind of like a more of a salty response on his side of things, and uh, it was not a good, uh, not a good response. I think the way that they're doing things right now with responding to these Steam reviews is good in that they're not being negative, they're not being salty, um, but the canned responses. I have mixed feelings about those. So as I've mentioned previously, I work in it. And one of the things that I have to do a lot is I have to send people the same responses over and over and over. Because otherwise, if I type out manually type out every single response, every single time when it's the same thing over and over telling people, no, this is not phishing. Yes, this is phishing. We blocked the sender, you know, uh, or, you know, this is spam. You don't have to report spam. You can just delete it. If you want, you can manually block the sender, but we're not going to block it because it's just spam. It's like, you know, having these templates, it saves a lot of time. And obviously this is what they're doing in this situation is they're using the templates. Um, And then probably probably a lot of it is written by AI. Um, Either that or potentially someone who's who's a decent writer wrote up the response and then it was just that template that was given to everybody include this in your thing um of course there was that that thing from that oh no it's alex was reading oh uh you you can you can fly you, you can, can shoot you, <laughs> you, you you can fly you can mine you, <laughs> you, can, you, can you can loot uh which was like a, yeah that was i love that one yeah but i mean so much of this stuff it's like okay you're doing very much pr really what they should just be doing is keep it very simple simply say thank you for your feedback we're always i mean we are doing everything we can to make this game even better as time goes on do something simple like that you will win so many points with so many people because Bethes- that's one thing Bethesda does do, is they do typically improve broken aspects of their games. Now, they don't always fix everything. There are some issues with Skyrim that still exist to this day, apparently. Um, I mean, you know, I- I've definitely come across occasional bugs uh, that have been really funny in Skyrim, like where um, you're-, you're talking to one of the dragons and he just s- suddenly starts like rising up into the air and just goes off into the stratosphere and he's still <laughs> talking to you. And I mean, I've I've had weird bugs like that with the creation engine. I mean, the creation engine has its issues for sure. It has lots of issues and it's definitely it's like there. There are few. I don't think there are really any engines that does as much as it does. But at the same time, it's also just I need to do something new. <laughs> but all that being said, I don't know. I, I definitely understand why they're using canned responses. It makes sense. But I do think that if they're going to use canned responses, it would be so much better if they just kept it really simple. Not trying to convince people this is a good game, but instead just say, thank you for your feedback. We are always seeking to improve our game and we'll take it into consideration. Keep it simple like that. You you can win so many points with people, and you'll pro- it can potentially turn some of these reviews around. Now, I think that in general, it's just gonna be t- it's gonna take time before the reviews are gonna turn to mostly positive. I mean, it's like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk had all sorts of issues early on, and now people love it. it like it's they fixed a lot of the problems, especially with the latest uh, expansion that they did, and um, you know it's like. They've made it a solid game. Not one that I'm going to play, but... You know, solid for for people who really wanted to play it. And I've just heard great things about it overall. Um, And it's not as buggy as it used to be. Bethesda needs to just take all that into consideration. I mean, I will say, I do not think Starfield was nearly as disastrous as... uh, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk had so many problems... Starfield has its issues, particularly in terms of optimization on PC, and it still has some bugs. It's got some issues with depth. I mean, it does a lot of things without doing them all, any of them super well. But I still think overall it's like a really solid game, and I really enjoy it. Not my favorite game by any stretch. Not even, especially not this, not even this year. Um, but it's still still a good game. So. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts
1: on all that? I think just one thing that sort of popped into my head uh, that I think might sort of help something like this, and I I think that overall Steam does a good job with reviews, especially with how they're verified and you actually have to buy a game, but I think that something that could actually improve it is that they have a third option for a review, which is sort of a middle between whether you recommend it or don't recommend it Mm -hmm. Uh, just because I think that for some of these reviews I think some people might actually if there was that middle option Mm -hmm. where it's they sort of recommend it but at the same time don't I think that's something that people would actually use rather than just leave a flat out don't recommend because it actually has happened with me with some games before where I've played games where I wouldn't recommend them but I would if they were on sale, and so I can't really say. And I, even though I'm typing that in my full review, if people just see the thumbs up or thumbs down, like that's sort of an endorsement, or right. a con- uh, or I'm condemning the game. Right. So I think if they if Steam had that third option there, I think that's something that really could help out with something like this.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I I would be doing that for Destiny too because there are so many things I love about the game. But it's also one where it's hard for me to recommend that people jump into it because it's so hard to get into, especially now. And there's just so much content that it's just. <sighs> anyway, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on into the next topic here. So as we had talked about previously, when we talked about the Game Awards nominees, um. There has been a lot of controversy when people realize that Dave the Diver is not actually an independent game um because it is done by Mint Rocket who is owned by Nexon Studios or uh, is it Nexon Studios I don't the name of that um, do, 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 do. well it's, I I don't know if it's Nexon Studios but it's Nexon uh Mintrop Record is a subsidiary of Nexon, and that's a very large South Korean publisher. So it's it's not independent. It's not a small team. It's not um, dealing with a small amount of funding, all that. And basically, everyone who looks at this, knowing that it's funded by such a big company, would say this is not independent. Now, that's not saying that it's... Not it's not a good game. That it doesn't deserve a lot of praise, because everything people have been saying is that this is a really great game. It looks great. It has great music. Um, it does a lot of experiment experimental uh, gameplay elements, and um, just overall, people like really love this game. So all this controversy has come up, and. Uh, Very recently, uh, there was a Twitch Q&A session with Jeff Keighley, who of course is the guy who runs the Game Awards, and basically just people asking, why on earth did you put this in the independent category when it's not an independent game? So Jeff Keighley's response, and I quote this is from uh, an article from Games Radar, uh, posted elsewhere also, Independent can mean different things to different people, and it's sort of a broad term, Keeley says. You can argue, does independent mean the budget of a game? Does independent mean where the source of financing was? Is it based on the team size? Is it the kind of independent spirit of the game, meaning a smaller game that is different? He adds, it is a really complicated thing to figure out and come up with strict rules around it. So we let people use their best judgment, and you can agree or disagree with the choices. So, I I, I can uh, tra- I'll do my translation after after
1: you uh, give your thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, so, I, I I guess I while I understand that for some people. I guess I can agree to an extent that some people's opinion of what an independent game is. I still think that for if you're having a game awards, you can't be vague for your categories. There should be cut and dry definitions of what an independent game is if you're going to have a game be nominated. Uh, I, I mean, you could, uh, and granted. We sort of discussed this before, how I think it was for role-playing games. How there were a couple examples where we said, would this really count as a role-playing game? And we even discussed about the fact that should Resident Evil 4 Remake be nominated as Game of the Year because of the fact that it is a remake of a game that came out before. But I think for something like this specifically, for just for a genre, you really should have... Clear guidelines. Um, This isn't something that you should just be vague. Sure, for for some people, like say, just the two of us discussing, hey, is this an independent game? And we discuss it, we argue about it, have debates. That's one thing. But for an organization, uh, you definitely should you definitely should state how that feels. Now, I think. I mean, I saw that in, the, in that article, there are a couple people who are saying stuff like that. I don't necessarily agree with some with some people said. Um, for example, saying that having many different systems, mini games, c- lots of cutscenes, incredible OST makes it not indie. Um, I think that I do think that there are some things that people. I think that still even years later there's still a bit of stigma attached to the word indie because Mm -hmm. people think of something if it's indie it's something that's either going to be a pixel art game like say shovel knight um or something that's going to be shovelware uh so that there's something like that but i think that indie has definitely advanced um i mean we're looking at say and i and i feel like maybe even some people might even argue against this but say certain games that are on kickstarter they look very they look very good they look like something that you actually could possibly see being something on the scale of say a double a studio and some people might say well because it's being funded by a lot of people, and that allows the budget to, say, go up, that it might not qualify, I still would say that it's an indie game because of the fact that it is um, a game that's being made by just a small group of people. Like, I think one good example would be Bloodstained, um, Bloodstained, which was made by uh, Koji Igarashi, who worked on the Castlevania games from Symphony of the Night onward. and actually made the IgaVenia term that's an, in th- would people some people recommend that say that's an indie game it's definitely got a high degree of uh, work put into it definitely has people who are to, it, it's people who have like high names who have done stuff like uh, of course you've got Ega, but you also have David Hayter the voice of Solid Snake he did voice acting for the game so I guess when you... I, I guess when you have something... I guess I, I do agree that something could be vague... In a sense, because you say... Well, the game came out uh, on Kickstarter... But it was a big budget game... Because it had a lot of people who are high profile. Oh, man, I'm saying a lot of stuff, but not really going anywhere. But I guess the point I'm trying to get to is... There are... I, people will have arguments about what indie games are... But... For the game awards especially for this you should they should have made this clear about what in the game is before having these nominations and then i guess i really just don't i guess i really just don't care for his response i i i will say that though but those are my thoughts on this
0: so uh before i, I give my translation of of what he said Um, I do want to point out there's uh, one user that they quote, uh, user at Dominic Terrasan, who says that a hard line should be that indie means self-owned. Neither studio nor game should be owned or held by a corporate interest. And I think that is a really good way to put it. Um, Because, you know, that's, I mean, indie independent, you know, it's truly independent. That's, you know, this is Mint Rocket is very clearly not independent. They are owned by a very large publisher, billion-dollar corporation. So, not independent. Um, but to translate what um, what Jeff Keeley said about this, um, and I don't, I don't speak in tongues, and I, I'm not normally someone who would interpret tongues, but. I'm going to do my best to interpret in uh, to the same extent that normal people can interpret tongues. Um, and that is to say that uh, Jeff Keighley was was saying that the people who made the nominations all thought that this was an indie game because it looks like an indie game because it's pixel art. And I'm not going to throw them under the bus, so instead I'm going to come up with all this PR speak to basically justify the inclusion of this. So that's kind of the short version. (laughs) I, I, I really believe that that's all that there is to this because I know that he doesn't really have that much say in, in these nominations. It's basically that they get a panel together of journalists, um, games, journalists, and otherwise, and they put together their list and I think I'm sure that probably more than anything because of the typical quality of both games journalists and uh, the journalists who write about video games separately for you know different publications that are not video game focused, uh, they probably just all thought it was an independent game because it looks because it's a pixel art game. And so basically these people didn't bother to look into it. And they just assume it's independent and that's why it got the nomination. And he's trying to cover his bases. And I mean he's he's a good enough guy to not throw anyone under the bus. And I think that's that's respectable. Um but yeah, I I really think that it just comes down to he basically had to come up with an excuse, or the PR firm had to come up with an excuse to to justify, you know, adding this, I mean to keep that in there, even though it's really not an indie game. At all. So. Um, That's really, yeah. That's pretty much my thoughts on the matter. I, I, I. I'm sure this game is great. Um, The diving portions to me look like something I would really enjoy. It's the kitchen portions that I don't think I would enjoy. Because I I don't like those stressful kind of things. That's the reason why I won't play something like Overcooked. That's the reason why, even though I love to cook, I do not want to work in a restaurant. I do not want to have my own restaurant because it's super stressful. I like to enjoy my cooking. Um, but yeah, I I wish the game I wish the game didn't have that element because I I think the the diving parts like it looks fantastic. You know, all the all the exploration and everything it just looks like you know you can make a Metroidvania out of this, and I don't know. I I might look into it eventually like kind of get a better idea of of how the other parts of the gameplay flow but I just feel like those parts would be too stressful for me to actually be able to enjoy it and that would take away from my ability to enjoy the game overall. So, Uh, Any other thoughts? Uh, No, sir. Alright. So let's see here. You want to go
1: ahead and talk about Embracer? Sure thing. All right. So uh, another studio is possibly reaching, or possibly facing a closure, and that is uh, Free Radical Design. Uh, they they originally made the Time Splitters games, and they shut down before being, uh, I guess, before. Restarting over again some time ago, they also worked on Haze for the PS3, which wasn't really met with critical acclaim. And I, they did one other game, but they're facing closure uh, before Christmas, and or at least they're facing the threat. Um, I, I don't think that it has been said that it actually will happen, but I definitely think it's possible. Uh, and it's part of Embracer because they're restructuring their entire uh, system. Because and they've done this before. They did that with several other development companies, and shortly after, I think it was Crystal Dynamics. Um, I think something happened with Crystal Dynamics, and they're trying to decide if they want to actually keep Crystal Dynamics or sell them, which after they bought them from Square Enix. But that this, but uh, Free Radical is a another company that is facing the chopping block. And what's strange here is that there were rumors that uh that they were going to actually make another if not another time splitters game a remake or remaster of their older games because they had I believe three they had time splitters one time splitters two and time splitters future perfect and yeah so that's pretty much the big news there. Uh, I guess I'll just quickly mention something here I'm disappointed in this uh, because I played a bit of time splitters I think, Two, back, back. Oh, I think it was on PS2 at a friend's house, and I thought the game was pretty fun. I liked it, and I remember when I got my uh, game, Nintendo GameCube. I saw one of the games that were advertised on the box was Time Splitters Future Perfect, and I thought that seemed kind of interesting. I would like to get that, <laughs> but and years later when I got on PC, I thought, okay, you know, maybe I'll get the PC version. And I found out there never was a PC port of Time Splitters, And that was very disappointing. So the fact that we will never, possibly never get a PC version of any Splitters game or any sort of remake or remaster is really disappointing. And I think this is one thing that I... People say a lot about Microsoft, about how Microsoft buys so many companies and... They either don't do anything with them, or they just put out bad games. Well, Embracer Group has bought more companies than Microsoft, and they've been selling them now, left and right, recently, or shutting them down because they need the money. And that just goes to show you that people really have been focusing so much on Microsoft that they don't look at someone else because they aren't a uh, console maker. Which is really ridiculous when you think about the fact that they went, to, especially with uh, uh, sh- uh, shoot, who was it? Was it the I, I forget? Especially with the Europe European group that was spending months trying to fight Microsoft, they never did a thing with Embracer Group, and I think that more people should actually point fingers at Embracer Group and call out the fact that they've bought out all these companies. Um, I think also another example was THQ uh, which I know they bought THQ and I think that was before it became THQ Nordic. Um, and there were some other ga- game companies that they bought, but the fact that this is probably going to happen more as more as they're still scramble, especially since they haven't said how many other companies are going to go under or how many they're going to fold or sell. We're possibly going to see more. This happen more often uh, until Embracer says, "Okay, we're fine. We can let things go back to normal." Because so that's primarily what I have to say. Up there, I'm still just disappointed that we'll never get this game. Because I, if I went, I mean, I can always emulate it, but I, I just really just like a full native port. That's all I want, mm-hmm. right?
0: Now I never played any of the Time Splitters games. I got my PS2 really late, and I can't. Wh- this was Time Splitters was
1: on more than just PlayStation, though, right? It was on PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube. I okay, don't that's what I thought. I don't know if GameCube had all three games or not, but it had at least Future Perfect. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, I I've always heard of them, but I've never played any of them. Um. And this whole thing with Embracer, it's like this massive company with, I mean, they literally have the market, they're the market leader in terms of, or they, they own more of more developers um, than any other publisher in all of gaming right now. Significantly larger than Microsoft. And the problem is that Microsoft actually has the money to fund these things. Whereas Embracer is basically just borrowing money to grab, grab these things. And then a large portion of them haven't really put anything out. Like they've, they've done some remasters of, of some like GameCube, PS2, Xbox games. And I think for the most part, they've been really well received. Like all those remasters have been great. Even a couple remakes, um, that sort of thing, and it's like, okay, you know, that's great that they that they were doing that, buying you know these developers, um, from that standpoint. But the problem is that they're spending more money than they have to spend, and so then they're just digging themselves a deeper hole, which is why they're having to set, either sell off the studios or just shut them down. And it's just disappointing seeing this happen, um, even though I have no familiarity with time splitters in terms of actually playing it or anything else. I've heard lots of people say that they really like those games and they've been, you know, looking forward to eventually seeing them come out and now looks like that's not going to happen at all unless you know they figure something else out, but I'm like I don't know. It's just no matter how much people try to villainize Microsoft in this in in their purchases Embracer is so much worse, and um, that's not to say necessarily that Microsoft isn't going to have issues in the future. We'll have to wait and see. But I think that the big difference, obviously, is that Microsoft isn't having to borrow money to to buy these developers. They just have the money, and they need to spend it. So they decide to spend the sixty nine billion on Activision Blizzard. You know, they they bought Bethesda. And, you know, they, they bought smaller studios like Ninja Theory, and I can't remember which other ones, but yeah. Anyway, it's unfortunate that this is happening, and I don't know. I don't really know what else to say on the matter. Any other thoughts?
1: Uh, no, sir.
0: All right. Well, I think we have enough time to go ahead and cover just one last topic here. This is a, uh, more of a positive thing. So, um, I, I, I didn't catch the actual date. Let me see here. I, I have have the article brought up here. So, um, there was essentially a leak, um, a playable leak, really, uh, briefly playable version of Beyond Good and Evil, which is getting a 20th anniversary remaster. Uh, Coming, I mean, we we don't we don't have confirmation of exactly where all it's coming to, but it was essentially leaked on Xbox, and some people were able to access and play it already a little bit. Um, basically, the the gist of it is that it's supposed to have uh, fixed controls, some autosaves added, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, 4K 60 frames per second on at least Xbox, probably presumably also. PS5 and PC, of course. PC would probably easily be able to do like 240 frames per second or more if you have a higher refresh rate. Um, but yeah, the this is something that's going to be revealed at the Game Awards, as far as we can tell. And uh, Beyond Go- but so Beyond Good and Evil came out in 2003, so this will be the 20th anniversary. The Good and Evil two was originally teased in two thousand eight, and Ooh. has been uh, <laughs> in development hell ever since. Then we got some we got some some previews of supposed game gameplay that was supposedly on PS four and Xbox One, which is like, no, this isn't. This is not PS four and Xbox <laughs> One. If it is, this is just cutscenes. This that's all it is. And that was in I think what twenty it was twenty seventeen that it was that it was revealed again. For that and it's like I'm sorry I don't buy it. <laughs> I, I still don't believe that game actually exists. Um, now talking about Beyond Good and Evil I played this for the first time and I believe it was 2010 on PC and uh, the controls were, were kind of rough because it did not feel great as a mouse and keyboard game. At least not for me but I was still really new to playing games mouse and keyboard and um, I was able to get, like, a PS2 controller working with it through, like, a USB adapter. But it still required a lot of finagling to get it working. And even then, it still didn't work the best. It was alright. But, um... Yeah, I think this could be pretty cool. Um, I'm hoping... Even though I... It wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't happen. But I'm hoping that maybe, like, Ubisoft or gog because i got bought it through gog will uh just give this remaster as an a free upgrade for pc users because then that would give me a reason to grab it otherwise probably not until it's like really cheap
1: or free um but yeah what what are your thoughts i think i, I think this is pretty nice now i haven't played uh the game originally. I, I also have it on GOG, but I never, I never got around to playing it. Mm-hmm. So I' am not certain how actually it does run uh, with control with the controller and whatnot. Um, I, although I have heard a lot of, of good things about the game, I do know that people have definitely said that this has been a great game and that it was sort of, I guess, underrated when it released. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that I, 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 th- I mean, I know that when. Uh, the get that some game play footage was taken down by Ubisoft and said that what was shown wasn't indicative of the actual full game. I I mean that they could be right. Um, I also wonder if maybe some well maybe not maybe not a demo but maybe the game actually is probably ready. It might be shadow dropped uh at E3 or something like that. Just like hey, game's ready to ready to be uh bought right now so. I think it's pretty much ready, or at least near ready. Um, if 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 actual you know game game files are actually being put up on the Xbox Store, um, I am looking forward to it. And I also think it would be nice if we got that sort of uh, update for the games for people who own it because that would be nice. Definitely would also probably give me a reason to say, you know what, maybe I will jump into the game. Maybe I'll even try it on Steam Deck and see how it runs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it should run um, great right there. It, de- it so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hyped about that. I one thing I I do feel like might happen though is the fact that Ubisoft might, at least for PC, make it only available on the Ubisoft store. That's something I feel might happen, and at best, it'll be released on, say, Steam, a year or so from now.
0: Well, not necessarily, because I think that. Um most of their, their new games have been Steam day and day lately. I could be wrong on that. Um, actually, I'll, I'll just double check that, but I'm, I'm I, I think that that's the case. Um, let me check and see here. So we got um, Mirage. Assassin's Creed Mirage. I could be wrong. Yeah, you might be right, actually. Yeah, it looks like it's probably not. Okay, so I'm wrong on that. So yeah, it probably will be something along those lines where it's not on Steam right away. Um, I don't mind Ubisoft Store. I have enough games through there to where it's like it's it's not that bad. Um, I like it. Of course, I would prefer everything was through Steam, and if there was a way to transfer everything over to Steam so that I didn't have to run the Ubisoft Launcher anymore. I definitely would, but you know, I I have enough games in there to where it's like, uh, I'll just, I can deal with it. (laughs) But But anyway, yeah, you know, uh, most likely it will be revealed and shadow dropped at the Game Awards. I'd say that's a, a very likely scenario, and we'll just have to uh, wait. Um, oh wait. Okay, so actually, you know what? I'm wrong. Does well, maybe I don't know. Let, let, let me let me read what it says here. Uh, Ubisoft has uh, tweeted on uh, with their official Beyond Good and Evil account on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, that they they confirmed that you know the remaster's existence, clarified that the playable version of the game that leaked was a mistake and not indicative of the final game. And then we will learn more closer to the game's launch in early 2024. So oh. it won't be a shadow drop, uh, but they still could show it at the Game Awards. And my guess is they'll probably just do like a, a trailer saying that it's coming early 2024. And then early 2024, they'll actually um, show, of course, <laughs> now, that I th- now that I look at this again... We'll learn more closer to the game's launch in early 2024. Well, December is close to early 2024, so it could very well be that they just give the information at the game awards. And anyway, it doesn't really matter. And we'll see if Beyond Good and Evil 2 will ever actually
1: come out. But... You know, I, I just thought about this would be the fifth. You said 2008. This would be the 15th anniversary of the game's announcement. Yep. Yep.
0: Ugh. I mean granted then it was only just like a little short teaser and then they showed true, all that true. that gameplay that was it was not believable. It was like less believable than the original demo of Watch Dogs that they showed <laughs> before before they released the real version of the game. But yeah.
1: That's stupid. Anyway. Safe.
0: All right, any other thoughts before we close out for the night? No sir. All right, so recommendations and dissuasions.
1: All right, so I actually had to uh, make a note of this because I said I'm going to forget this. All right, so my recommendation. Oh, wait. Oops, never mind, That actually was no one. So I'm actually going to have to pull this one out of a hat now because that actually was one that I had recommended before. So my recommendation is to okay, here's, here's my recommendation it, it, it this is something that I sort of recommended before, but I will recommend it here just the same, yeah. it's getting colder outside, and you might feel that you do not need to stay hydrated, but that is still further from the truth you will still need to be hydrated so make sure you drink some water, make sure you uh do whatever you need to to stay hydrated because you will still be dehydrated and it will not be a good feeling for your body, so stay hydrated
0: alright, that's always a good one definitely have not been doing very well with that lately, not drinking nearly as much water as I usually do so, it's always a good reminder Um, my recommendation is actually going to be the Metal Gear Solid series um I will say, if you are not as interested in getting to the series, and I had to recommend just one game, I would recommend Metal Gear Solid 5. Not as the best Metal Gear Solid game, but as the best overall just, like, modern feeling game. Because it it definitely feels very modern. It's a great action, stealth, open world game. But it's not like there's not too much in the world like it's not a huge open world but there's there's stuff to do um the stealth mechanics and just the mechanics in general are really really solid um there's not i i can't speak highly enough of the addition that they added with peace walker but brought forward in five and that is um when, when you have enemy combatants that you knock out or put to sleep, you can use a, the Fulton Extraction Mover, which is basically you, you attach uh, a balloon to them. Uh, it's like a special balloon that inflates quickly and then launches them up to a helicopter where they get picked up so that they can be added to your base as part of like your your staff. Fantastic feeling being able to just do that every time. But once they <laughs> added that, it's like, this is brilliant. I love this so much. I think that was the one thing that that turned me from being kind of like down on peace Walker to actually really loving it. Um, You know, it's still, it's one of my least favorite ones, but it still was a a great game overall. Um, So yeah, if, if you are, if you're interested in getting into metal gear solid, it's not too late. I got into it really late. The games are mostly short. They're not uh, They're, the controls haven't aged super well, but at the same time, I mean, it's not like tank controls, which, to me, tank controls are the worst. I think that is probably the worst relic of the PS1 era. Um, every time I've tried to play a game with tank controls now, it's just, it's excru- excruciating. <laughs> um, but, the the controls in, in, the the controls get progressively better as you go. Like, there's a little bit of jank that still remains but they get progressively better metal gear solid 3 um you actually have third person um like normal third person controls as an option um some of the earlier versions you can still do the top down like the uh not quite top down um isometric view and that you know I, I didn't play it that way. I've only ever played it just regular third-person controls. Um, and while I would say 3 is the best of them, of them all as an overall game, in terms of how the games control, 5 is hands-down the best. And just the overall gameplay, I think, is the best. It's just not the best in terms of story and bosses and all of that. Granted, I'm still really early in the game, and... Um, but I have like 30, 40 hours in the game so far and I love it. So hmm. that's my recommendation. Nice.
1: Your dissuasion. So for my dissuasion, uh, do not buy or do not watch things that you know you will hate. Uh, that's something that I've, I sort of see from a lot of larger YouTubers that I watch, uh, and they talk about certain things from companies that they don't like, and while I agree to an extent, they sort of propagate this by either, say, going to see a movie or by buying a game, which they already talk about and saying that they don't like it, but then they go in spend the money on it and, therefore, th- support <laughs> what they say they don't like. Um, so if that's you, don't do that. Why Why should you spend your hard-earned money on something you don't like or know you won't like? Um, it's like buying some meal at a restaurant. And you know you don't like that particular food, but then you go and spend the money and then you complain about it being bad. Well, you you bought it. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So save your money on something that you would like. Uh the you, I mean I mean sure I I I guess it's nice if you have that kind of disposable income where you can do something like that. Uh but j- just don't do it. Save your money for something that you actually will like. And sure, you might be wrong and it might surprise you that you would like that, but I think that 9 times out of 10 you definitely won't like it. So don't do that. That's fair.
0: One thing I will say about like those bigger creators, I mean, they probably make way more money off of talking about it than they spent on, uh, watching it or what have you. So, it's, you know, it's content. I mean, like, I I definitely can respect the hustle. It's it's a you know that's how they they make their money. That's how they they pay the bills. So, hey, if they're gonna get a lot of people watching to hear their opinions, then by all means, it makes sense to do it. I personally, I don't know how much I would do that unless it was just like, (laughs) if I was a channel that was based more off of um, trashing stuff than anything else, then yeah, that would be a good reason to check out the things I hate. Um, Since it's not, then I don't have to, so I I wouldn't. (laughs) Um, Granted, I'm also not making any money on, on YouTube or anything like that, so... There's a difference there. Um, my dissuasion: If you have not already played The Last of Us Part Two and you don't know how much, I mean, what you're going to think of it, but you loved The Last of Us Part One, do not play Part Two. Do yourself a favor, especially, especially if you are someone who really appreciated the way that one ended. Because it was definitely the kind of ending where... Like, it wasn't a happy ending. Not at all. But it was... It was a memorable ending. And the, the way it ended, I think, was... One of the things that actually made that game as good as it was. Part 2 should not exist. Don't buy Part 2. If you want to buy... If you're going to buy Part 2 and you haven't already played it before... Make sure you buy... A cheap discounted PS4 copy because you want to spend as little money as possible or just wait until it's like super duper cheap on Steam. You probably could find copies though that would, you know, you could probably find a used copy for 10 bucks, and it'll still work great and you'll just be much happier with yourself. Now, I know some people are still going to love it but <laughs> the vast majority of I think normal people are going to hate it, for the most part. You know, it's funny. So, so the the number one podcast I listen to, most of the, all, these guys loved the last. Well, I should say, three out of four of them loved the Last of Us Part Two. One of them has said very distinctly that as much as he loved the first game, and he was a huge fan of it. Was happily day one purchase on Last of Us Part 2. He said Last of Us Part 2, he hated it. He, he does not believe it should exist. And if they do a Part 3, he is not going to buy it. Because of how much he hated Part 2. But all of these guys really surprised me when it came to the remaster news. And they all said they are not interested. And they think that it's essentially milking people for it. So, more power to you guys. I appreciate the fact that you had, you were able to get past some of your enjoyment of that and see how ridiculous this is that this remaster exists and so I'm going to say once again, do not buy The Last of Us Part Two, <laughs> especially not the remaster if you've already bought the game do not buy the remaster do not pay that $10 upgrade fee just leave it if you want to play it again, play it again play the version that you already have don't give them the money for this lazy remaster that just basically throws in some beta content, and that's it. It's, it's, it's not worth your money. So,
1: anyway, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> All
0: right, so uh, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on my YouTube channel, I am IamZericon. That is I-A-M-X-E-R-A-C-O-N. So, YouTube.com slash at IamZericon. And, uh... I should have another video coming out maybe the end of this week, early next week. We'll see. we'll see. We'll see. And what's the last one you put up? Last one I put up that was I think that was my uh Steam Deck OLED unboxing. I think okay. that might be it.
0: Good, so I'm actually I'm actually caught up because it seems like well not just it seems like I never get notified about any of your videos and then I come back Looking it up, it's like, oh, there's three videos I haven't seen. <laughs> it's like, you know, I only I watch all your videos, I like your videos, and I comment on your videos, and yet they never show up in my YouTube feed at all. I have to search for you manually. But it is what it is. So, all right, cool, cool. Um, you can find me in YouTube.com/slash/at/theFrozenGamer87. I don't have any content-specific planned at the moment. Well, I take that back. Something that I am hoping to do, but I'm not going to promise that it's going to happen anytime soon, is I want to do some uh, comparisons, direct comparisons between the Switch OLED and the Steam Deck OLED for various games, uh, particular, well, specifically third-party games. So like, I'll probably be doing things like Doom 2016, Doom Eternal... The Outer Worlds, um, potentially Fez. I'm not sure if that one's really a a good comparison because that's not going to be drastically different. I think. Well, except the fact that one will run at 90 frames per second and the other is only 60. Um, Probably Hades, um, Guacamelee 1 and 2. I let's see. I'm looking at my shelf here because there's oh Final Fantasy 12: The Zodiac Age is one I wanted to do. uh, Elderfall. Elder Scrolls V Skyrim is definitely one to do a comparison with. Um, Maybe LEGO City Undercover. I haven't really decided if I actually want to download that one on my Steam Deck. Um, I'm sure there's some others. But anyway, so I'm, I'm hoping to do some comparisons. It's just a matter of finding the time to record that. That's really what it comes mm-hmm. down to more than anything else. I won't have to do a whole lot of editing. And then it's also finding a time when I can do it where the kids aren't going to be noisy in the background so you can actually hear the game audio without just kids yelling and chasing the cats and <laughs> everything else that they're, they're doing or making the dog mad. Anyway, so yes. Um, that's the only thing that I might be putting up in this not-too-distant future. Hopefully before the end of this year. I'll, I'll start getting some of those up. I'll probably just record a bunch of them back to back, and then try to get them posted so we have some some content on the channel. Um, but yeah. So until next time, I am Frozen Gamer eighty seven. That is I am Zericon, and in the words of Phil Spencer, to quote him directly. Gaming. (laughs) Orange Box Podcast, out.